check. <laughs> Say more. Say more. One, two, one, two. Yeah. What was that guy saying when he was walking around the discovery room for like an hour doing mic checks? Ma, ma. Bow, bow, bow. That makes um, me want to jump um, um, into Treasure Island Bay. <laughs> And welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9, coming at you live from CES. Uh, I am your host, Scott Elcherson, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Christina Andronley. Christina, say hello. Hello. Uh, and Adam Simon. Hello. Uh, so how are the both of you doing uh, after a week in Vegas uh, at CES? Uh, we're tired, but we're hanging in there. Uh, I think I share in a lot of our clients' sentiment that there was a lot of overwhelming stuff to see on the show floor, lots of stuff to think about. Um, I'm pumped to get back and start acting on some of this. Me too. Um, and before we go kind of deeper into the show, uh, Adam, I would love for you to kind of go and give our listeners an overview of why the lab team is here, what we do, uh, and kind of you know how we kind of kick off the year as a lab uh, at CES. Yeah, so CES is, of course, the Consumer Electronics Show, um, but it is far from just about electronics uh, these days. It's also an auto show. It's a smart home show. It's a health show. Uh, it's now a travel show new this year. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's CES is it, far from just being about electronics. It is uh, really where a lot of different industries come together in January, right after the holidays, to kick off the year. And yes, it is a lot about um, technology announcements and new products from from electronics companies and uh, and, and technology platforms. Uh, but it's also just uh, a place where everybody gathers. There's tons of brands here. There's a lot of ad industry people here. Um, it's it's just a, a kickoff to the year. And the lab has been coming to CES for nine years, uh, which is uh, you know a, a long time. Um, and we come here to help our clients navigate the space to understand what is important about what's being shown on the show floor uh, and um, what is uh, what is important and how it's going to affect their industries um, and how how the things that we're seeing at the show are going to disrupt uh, various industries and verticals uh, across uh, across everything. Yeah, it, it literally is everything. They have it all here. Um, so with that, uh, obviously this CES we have put together, you know, a, a slew of content sessions ranging from uh, the future of mobility, play, food, health. Uh, we did a bunch of tours for our clients, both Tech West uh, as well as the LVCC. Um, and so throughout all of our research and our scouting, I would kind of love to hear from the both of you. Kind of what are some of the trends that have come out of this year's CES that our brand should be thinking about? Uh, as we roll into 2020. I think what I've seen on the show floor this year and what we've seen kind of coming for the last couple of years is advancements in the way that we get around cities. So things like um, micromobility were on the floor last year, a lot of autonomous concepts on the floor last year. I think what uh, stole the show this year was nearly every single OEM had some kind of electric vehicle. And when I say electric vehicle, it wasn't just a car and it wasn't just a car that people would own. Um, there were electric concepts that would get goods around. So imagine a grocery store on wheels that was electric. I think we're starting to see what the future smart city looks like and what that transportation ecosystem looks like when there are electric, autonomous scooters, bikes, cars, even helicopters flying drones on the 
in the air and on the street. I think there's a lot of advancement that needs to happen both on the infrastructure side with regard to electric charging, um, but also city infrastructure and technological infrastructure that needs to happen to work together to make the smart city go seamlessly. I think still open questions as to what that right point of integration is. Um, Mm -hmm. But tons of stuff on the show floor this year showing um, new ways to get goods and services and people around. Awesome. Adam, what what about yourself? What are the same things that you've kind of seen uh, in these past few days? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just to build on what Christina was just saying, in transportation, we now have uh, a couple of autonomous electric flying vehicles that were on the show floor. They're claiming that they're going to be in the air with Uber in 2023, which sounds really soon. I think we have some questions as to whether that's going to happen. Yeah, that sounds super soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's you know, regulation and infrastructure, lots of questions there. But even if 2023 is really um, aggressive, I think, you know, just sitting here at the beginning of, of a new decade, I think it's super exciting to think about the fact that almost certainly by the end of the decade, by 2030, they will have figured all those questions out. If they're aiming for 2023, very unlikely they'll miss by, by seven years. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's exciting to think about, um, in terms of other things, you know, we saw uh, a lot of uh, expansion of what we're seeing in digital health and, and mm-hmm. wellness. A lot of focus this year on um, elder care and uh, products targeted at seniors. Um, we're coming up on you know a seniors, uh, a generation of seniors who are much more comfortable with technology um, than previous generations, and uh, they are the kinds of uh, a kind of generation who, if they don't uh, buy it for themselves, then their uh, their children and their grand children are buying it for them and helping them with it. Mm-hmm. But once they get set up, they're super comfortable with engaging with things like uh, FaceTime for uh, you know chatting with their grandkids. Um, and we're seeing a lot of focus on their health and ways to keep people in their homes longer so that they don't need to move into an assisted living facility um, or, or uh, any, any place else where they can stay at home with the help of technology. And I think that's really cool and really exciting. I think underpinning both of those, so on the wearable side, on the connected home side, and on the um, smart cities, urban mobility side, uh, the technology that needs to come online in order to enable all of that at scale is 5G. I think the last couple of years, we've seen a ton of messaging in the booths around the show floor in every hall, essentially, um, on 5G and the promise of 5G. And interestingly enough, I think the year that 5G is coming online with in certain cities from AT&T and from T-Mobile and Verizon. 5G was kind of absent on the show floor this year, which was mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Um, there were a couple phones on the show floor that were new and had 5G capabilities, um, albeit very expensive phones, um, but not a ton of messaging around what 5G means to the smart city or the connected home infrastructure. Um, that could be because there's more coming during Mobile World Congress or that brands are waiting for their own events. But I think that was something that stuck out to me as um, a big question mark in my head. Yeah. And to, to that point, um, I think, you know, for us, 5G was one of those one of those technologies uh, or trends that we had expected to see here. Uh, were there any, any other trends or things that the, you guys were expecting to see at CES this year that didn't really you know, come true. I just want to stay on 5G for one second, because I think that I think thinking through the reason as to why there's not 5G, I think that 
right now, 5G is obviously launched in a bunch of cities, including Las Vegas, from a lot of the major carriers. But the quest right now, 5G, the current implementation of it is basically just slightly faster than LTE. Um, and 5G eventually will get down to millimeter, millimeter wave 5G, um, which will have super low latency, much faster speeds, which will unlock new kinds of applications. But I think the fact of the matter is now that it is shipping in some form and it and not that exciting form, um, everybody doesn't really know what to do because they can't show you the super futuristic applications because they can't actually deliver them yet. Um, but they also don't want to show you something that looks basically the same as uh, what you already have. Um, so I think it's just sort of in a weird in-between place. Um, and I would not be surprised at all to see people pick up the 5G conversation again next year. I think right. we're just in a weird place right now. And so if, if you put on the Gartner hype cycle, do you think we're kind of in the like trough of disillusionment where people are trying to figure out what it is that those use cases like will be or is it still more kind of going up the up the curve uh up the hype cycle we just have to wait until we have actual like you know applications to build i think right now it is not um in the trough of disillusionment just because so few users have 5g phones and are are experiencing that disillusionment with what they were promised versus what is uh, actually delivered but i do think that you know uh, a year from now, a lot of people will be looking at 5G and, and saying, okay, so now I have a 5G phone uh, and it is a little better, but uh, not that much better. Uh, so um, and maybe they won't even do that because 5G phones, uh, at least on the Android side, are very expensive. So a lot of people might be shying away from them. So, you know, I think we're going to go, we've got at least a year of slide down into the trough of disillusionment. <laughs> we're slowly and, working our way. Yeah. And and maybe at CES next year, uh, we will be seeing some more futuristic applications, which which hopefully will be, you know, shipping in 2021. Crossed, mm -hmm. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. So notably, Apple was here uh, on a panel talking about privacy. We had some privacy-minded startups uh, on display. But in general, it seemed like the the larger conversation about privacy was mis missing uh, for 2020. So what are your thoughts on that? Why do we think it was kind of like missing from this year's uh, show? I think talking about privacy as a trend feels strange to me. And what I mean by that is privacy is not a marketing message. Privacy is a corporate uh, an operational necessity at this point, given what's going on in the regulatory environment. And so I think you can show up here and you can talk about privacy, but I think what you talk about has to be followed through with action. And I, and I think a great example of that is um, a company we saw called DNA Nudge. There were so many DNA companies on the floor last year. Uh, and there was really only one here this year in a big way. And I think their major innovation... So DNA Nudge is a wearable technology where you can swab your cheek. It'll store your DNA information within the wearable. Um, and you can use that to then go and scan barcodes at the grocery store and tell what types of foods might either align with or violate your DNA based on your nutritional genome. Um, their key innovation that I loved was that they don't take your DNA and send it to a warehouse or a database facility. They keep it on your wrist and that's the only place it goes. Um, so I think that's kind of the evolution in what mm -hmm. I'm talking about, where it's a it's it's an operational necessity that you need to implement. It's not a marketing message. I think that 
privacy wasn't uh, maybe at the forefront as much as uh, as it might be, but I think it was definitely underlining uh, pretty much everything that was happening at this event. Uh, I think you know we saw Ring come to the show like they normally do to announce some new products, some new light bulbs and other uh, accessories to add into their ecosystem. But they knew that they couldn't just show up with new products because of all of the controversy that had been swirling around the company in uh, the last few months. So they actually also came to announce a new privacy dashboard and better mm-hmm. finer grained controls for users to um, uh, as to whether or not they're sharing footage from their ring cameras with local police departments um, and increased security. So they knew that in order to say anything else, they had to actually start from a place of we're improving our your data protection and privacy options um, and features. And I think that that sort of underlines sort of where a lot of companies are these days, that they have to uh, sort of go privacy first with their product announcements. <laughs> That's a celebration yeah. of privacy. A right celebration. There. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers to data privacy. Ah, to privacy. Um, so, with this show, what were some of the biggest surprises uh, that were announced? Sony launched a car. That, yep. Yeah, I think that was the biggest surprise of CES. That was think, my big surprise. I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card. No. Um, it was pretty cool. So, they, I think, well, we saw a trend on the floor this year that entertainment kind of doesn't need to be bound anymore to a phone screen or a theater screen or a television screen. I think we're seeing entertainment um, much in alignment with what we're seeing in lifestyle branding and other categories kind of get off the screen and move into other uh, consumer connection points that are kind of non-traditional media channels. In a way, I think what Sony did was we're see- we saw a ton of um, activity with exclusive entertainment deals uh, in non-traditional categories. So think Fire TV integrating with FCA cars and Lamborghinis, um, Delta opening up the content window and extending it to the pre-flight experience. Um, Sony launching a car, I think I it, TBD, if uh, where Sony intends to play within the transportation ecosystem, my bet is that this, this was maybe more of a concept to show how entertainment could look in a car. Um, but I think leveraging their capabilities within a car ecosystem to deliver entertainment um, was something that I was surprised to see. I was going to say that that's a fantastic product for the game. Uh, will it ship uh, any time <laughs> ever? Um, but also outside of Sony, uh, Adam, was there anything else that you saw on the show floor or you know in in the trades that you were surprised about? Uh, I know for me personally, uh, Amazon was getting into their like auto retail uh, uh, kind of like announcement was pretty pretty exciting. I didn't really see that one coming, but it makes sense for the the brand. Yeah, and I think CES is a perfect place for Amazon to make auto announcements. Actually, um, they had a couple of things that were interesting. They had uh, a new platform that they were they were working with OEMs to enable their dealerships with uh, Amazon first party data uh, that really seems like a win-win both for OEMs as well as for Amazon, obviously. Um, And also the deal with ExxonMobil to let you use Mm -hmm. Alexa to pay for gas at the pump, um, which is the first in-car use of Alexa that is actually, like I think, native to the car Mm -hmm. um, in ways that uh, something that you wouldn't be able to do at home, obviously, for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, that's a cool cool execution um, and a cool implementation of the products. Other than that, I think my favorite random thing that was announced was (laughs) the uh, Samsung TV that rotates Uh. for vertical video. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I'm not really confident at all, actually, that... uh, 
we'll all have TVs that rotate vertically in the near future. Um, but I do think that it shows, you know, that they're listening to the market. And, and, you know, Samsung throws out a lot of products just to test the market. And I'm sure that this is a, uh, you know, them just saying, well, let's see, maybe people do want to watch vertical video in their living rooms on a big screen. And, uh, uh, you know, well, the, the market will tell them if that is something that people really desire. But I think it, it shows that they're, they're paying attention to changing, uh, yeah. consumption behaviors. Um, mm-hmm. By users, so yeah, maybe they'll sign a deal with Quibi. Uh, and they'll have some really interesting, you know, uh, in-home mobile. But does video Quibi content. want that? Is the big question. <laughs> They're very mobile-only focused, and uh, I don't know if Quibi wants their content scaled up to a you know fifty-something inch display. I mean, only time will tell. I guess. <clears throat> Um, but I mean, I, I think I, you know, I, as we think about CES, like how is this show evolving? You know, we're, we're seeing Sony announce a car, a traditionally, you know, like a TV manufacturer that has been here for years doing TVs and other appliances. And they're now announcing a car. Um, it just seems like the show is, you know, really it's, it's starting to grow outside of what it was, you know, originally defined as a consumer electronics show. Um, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on how do you see the show, you know, evolving uh, as we go forward uh, into 2020? Well, you know, this year, the, the big addition was a travel and tourism section of the show floor and the CEO of Delta showing up to do the opening keynote. Um, I actually was pleasantly surprised by that. They actually did announce some uh, trials and new products that they were bringing to market, which is not something that usually happens at CES keynotes these days. Um, so especially the opening keynote, um, which tends to be sort of a, you know, a glamour slot for somebody. Um, so I was glad that they, they came to a technology show with some new technology that they at least are going to be testing in market. Um, but I think, you know, the expansion of CES just goes to show just how much technology has invaded every uh, vertical and every sector. Uh, Mark Andreessen famously said that software eats the world. And as software eats more and more industries, those industries also have to be computerized. And that means electronics. Um, so um, I think that, that that's what we're seeing at CES. And I would not at all be surprised, especially knowing next year they're opening a enormous new show floor uh in at the las vegas convention center i would not at all be surprised to see just you know more and more industries show up at ces every year i also think i mean interesting too it's just like if we look at you know like like eureka park you know i feel like that has always been the the hub for all the startups that are coming to uh ces and i think this year was the most built out we have ever seen um eureka park from like a uh country perspective you know all these you know countries from asia or europe uh are now bringing uh and sponsoring multiple startups you know and their kind of like tech ecosystem to come to the show um and it seems like we're just really starting to see uh more and more competition uh and uh for silicon valley uh, which is really exciting so it's becoming more of a larger and larger uh like global kind of like tech ecosystem that is developing um and we're seeing it all happen right here at ces which i think is super exciting so with that i i would love to hear from both of you you know what what were what was your favorite thing you saw on the actual show floor like there's the good the bad and the ugly out there uh so if, out of all the tours that you've given you know what are some of the products that this really stood out for you uh and is it was it kind of a tour highlight i don't know if this was a highlight for any of our clients but it was certainly a highlight for me there was a self-heating tupperware at the panasonic booth that i was absolutely obsessed with I am someone who cooks at night and brings my lunch. Um, and it could really save me a trip across the office with all of that walking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't want to get too many steps in while you're yeah. uh, getting lunch. <laughs> but I, th- I, I just think it's such a cool idea and something that's one of those things where it's like, why was this not 
thought of. Um, so that's on my shopping list. I think some of the cooler technologies that I saw, I thought the Hyundai passenger drone was really cool. Um, we've been doing a lot of work on the future of mobility and thinking about how that transforms not just transportation, but things like retail and entertainment. Um, while I think passenger drones at scale are still, you know, a bit far off in the future, um, I do think we're starting to see companies like Uber take a stake in that um in that space and they announced a partnership with Hyundai for their passenger drones. Um, and in New York city, I mean, that's live and it's not that much more expensive than a car to JFK. Uh, and it's something we're paying attention to. I do think there are, to Adam's point earlier, there are, we need to make the roads of the sky uh, and we need to figure that out before this gets enabled at scale. But I do think that has a pretty solid chance of being a, a viable transportation option and way of moving things around cities. Yeah. On the other hand, though, because we're mostly starting from scratch in the skies, okay, other than, you know, traditional commercial air traffic, it might actually be easier than autonomous vehicles on roads because autonomous vehicles on roads are going to have to contend with human drivers for a really long time. Uh, but in the sky, if we start with autonomy from the beginning, it might actually be easier and quicker to, uh, to, to get to full autonomy in the skies. It does have some advantages, even though it seems like it should be even more futuristic than self-driving cars. Uh, the lack of other traffic in the sky might actually make it easier. That's interesting. And so I think this year, to your point, like uh, last year we, we had a lot of conversation about autonomy uh, on the ground, not the sky, uh, but I love where your head is at. But it seems like this year, like there's been a shift towards EV. So how are you seeing this kind of trend of you know electrification versus autonomy? Like where are we at in that kind of overall development of uh, those two technologies? I don't know that they're so tied that it was kind of a one for one switch that necessarily because we saw a drop in autonomous technology, we saw an increase in electrification. I do think on the autonomy front, I think we've seen kind of a correction of expectations of what that technology will bring and where it is in its development life cycle. Uh, I think last year, if you were to come to the show floor, you could leave. Uh, with the thought that in a couple years, every single car on the road is going to be level five autonomous and we're going to be driving around in mobile workspaces and that's going to be our future in the not so distant future. Um, I don't think while there are pilots on roads, I think based on those pilots, we've seen kind of a correction of what autonomy can bring and where we are at in the life cycle of that. I do think electric vehicles, um, Every single OEM on the show floor had an electric vehicle this year, um, and it's becoming cheaper, um, and it's becoming um, not limited to form factor. So if you think about something like an analogy that I would use would be the Apple Watch. Um, there's no longer kind of like the techie-looking Apple Watch type of form factor in electric cars. Uh, Jeeps are electric now. And so we're kind of past that hurdle, I think. The hurdle that we're still seeing is on the charging front. Uh, they weren't here, but Porsche announced that they have a technology, a charging technology that will charge a vehicle up to 80% in 20 minutes. Um, that's a huge improvement in charging. And I think that will be the piece of the puzzle that we need to solve in order to drive that technology forward. Um, but I do think on the consumer demand side, uh, demand is there, and I yep. think electric or I think OEMs are noticing that and developing towards that. 
now that we are uh, leaving Vegas, we're headed back to our respective, you know, home bases. How can our brands be thinking about uh, implementing all of the things that, that they learned into their marketing, their strategy, and their planning? Like, what are some things that that that, that they can do to bring this uh, education, uh, you know, to their to their to their daily lives? I guess. I was talking about this with kind of entertainment getting off the screen and into things like cars and travel and making a bigger statement in those spaces. And I think what it showed me was that all of these different verticals are blending together and impacting each other. And there's no, uh, of course, consumers don't think in silos, but I don't think brands are thinking in silos anymore. And I think if it's one thing to take away, it's think about if you are, for example, an auto manufacturer, don't just look at Toyota and Ford for, um, competitive Intel, you need to think kind of at the next concentric circle out from your competition. Think about that indirect competition, how consumers are interacting with brands and things like um, entertainment or retail and think about what impact that has on your business and how you can kind of play and think about even partnerships in new spaces like that. I think in addition to improving creativity, I do think that very directly that will have a tangible impact on our clients' businesses. And I think it's an, it, CES really illustrates that pretty well, I think. Yeah, and I think in thinking about how technology is disrupting every industry, I think an, an interesting thought exercise would be like, like we saw with Delta this year. If your CEO came to you and said, I'm giving the opening keynote at CES in 2021, and we have about 1,500 square feet of show floor space that we have to fill with something that we're actually going to at least test in market that year, this year, what would you do if if your CEO if your CEO said we need you know at least three innovations we could showcase at CES? Um, I think it's a an interesting thought exercise to think about what that might look like um, in you know each brand's uh, individual vertical. Right on. Uh, well, thank you both for uh, your excellent insight into this year's CES. Uh, we will be producing our outlook in the coming weeks. So every, listeners, keep an eye out for that. Uh, and as always, please follow us on Instagram, social, uh, at IPG Lab. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website, uh, IPGLab.com. It's all right there. So thanks. Talk soon. Talk soon.